Hi, this is Gina Versa from the Waffle Press Movie Podcast. I am joined by my good friend Chris. Also known as Patches, also known as Matcha, man of a million names. Christian Margothio, thank you for joining me. Of course, of and, course. And we just saw Pacific Rim Uprising a month before its release. A little over a month, actually, but still, yeah. yeah. Kind of impressive. Mm-hmm. And it's embargoed, so was it? we'll probably, re- probably uh, was it release this a little closer to the release, but... It was cool to see it, a film that no one else has seen. And uh, just jumping right into it, Patches, um, you're a fan of the first Pacific Rim? Uh, I would say a huge fan. Mm-hmm. Maybe not as big as a lot of other people, but that is the only film outside of Scott Pilgrim that I saw in theaters more than once. Twice? Twice. Yes. Yes. I, yeah. I'm a big Del Toro fan, so I'm you know, a huge Pacific Rim fan. So, And you know, Pacific Rim, I felt, is... The, like, good version of Transformers, it's what, you know, five-year-olds should be seeing, or, you know, if they want to see giant monsters fight each other, it's that perfect movie. Um, and, you know, it's five years later, so, what it, so Pacific Rim Uprising, it is more of a next-generation type of film, you know, spoilers here, but it's uh, ten years after the uh, the first film some characters have gone some have uh, some are not are barely even mentioned in passing bar- actually yes. you don't know where they are but yeah it, I, I thought that was cool though that it's like this next generation it was kind of like a Gundam thing is that the thing in Gundams I, actually not too sure so don't hold don't hold my breath on that okay. but it was definitely one of those movies where it was felt like it felt like they were passing the torch on to yeah. a newer generation. I think the best analogy of a recent movie that would that would fit in that mold would be Creed. Creed, okay. You know, you have Rocky Balboa handing it off to handing the torch off to Adonis Creed and pretty much you know taking up his father's legacy, but not really. Which actually, without getting too spoilery, mm-hmm. was. Featured in Pacific right. Rim Uprising, you yeah. have uh, his, uh, his son J- Jake Pentecost, I Stack- believe. Right. He didn't call him Stacker Pentecost Jr. Because they did not. And you can't beat a name like Stacker. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But without, like I said, without getting too spoilery, I mean, he do- he doesn't. He's not pretty much following in the footsteps of his father per se. Right. The very beginning, they established that he's a completely different person from what his dad was, and mm. that. Sets up quite a bit of stuff in the film that I thought was pulled off pretty nicely. Oh, yeah, for sure. It had a lot of heart to it. Um, the film, you know, it's a monster film, but all the characters, some of the, you know, a lot of the character work is also great. It's not perfect. Some characters don't get a complete, feel three-dimensional, I'll say that. But, you know, you you, you like them. You know, the, the, the uh, young cadet, I forgot her name. Her name escapes me. I think it was Amari. Amari is a great character. John Boyega's Jake Pentecost is great. John Boyega was brilliant. Yeah. Um, it's cool to see Charlie Day again. Charlie's great. He's uh, Charlie's. Charlie's pretty much going to be the ones I can say who stole who stole the show. Yes. We'll get into in uh, <laughs> all kinds of different ways, mm-hmm. but like I like I told Gene earlier. Going into this movie, I did not know what to expect besides hope it hopefully it's gonna be as good as the first one, if not mm-hmm. better. Right. But it's like going in into a boxing match and you kinda think you know your opponent, but out of nowhere they're just pulling they're pretty much just pulling all the punches, stuff mm-hmm. you would not expect coming. Right. And that's what I felt. I'm still trying to absorb what I saw yes. in 
it's a lot to take in just because it's hitting you left and right with surprises. Mm -hmm. And that was probably the best thing about it. The action was nonstop. Mm -hmm. It's it, more anime than the first. I would say that, yeah. yeah. And I understand that Guillermo del Toro wasn't directing it this time around, but he was a producer. Mm -hmm. But throughout the film, there were definitely a lot more, like, uh tributes to the work that inspired Pacific yeah, Rim. Yeah, you see his hand a lot. You definitely see very direct references. I don't want to drop, you know, all of them, but I think all of that was pulled across nicely. Lots of twists, like I said before. The only things that I I agree with Gene on was the fact that character development was not as good as the first movie. No, yeah. So, like you said, some characters felt a bit two-dimensional. Mm -hmm. There were a lot of characters who I would would have loved to see fleshed out a bit more, a lot more rounded out. Yeah. And there, I, there was, like, there was a lot of Yamchas, if we're uh, saying this. Nah, he definitely oh, had, yeah. not to get too, like, off-topic, but I feel like he did have development in the original Dragon Ball, okay. but as with a lot of people in Dragon Ball, they once it turned into Z, they became really staticky. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, character development was was kind of an issue here. Something, you know... We should it was hit and miss, but yeah, world, the, building, yeah. world building was probably... There was no need for world building this time around because a lot of what happened was established in the first movie. Mm -hmm. And then I feel like a lot of the action scenes in this movie were not as memorable as the first. Don't get me wrong, they're yeah. really great. No, there's some good action. But... It wasn't as iconic. It wasn't as iconic, was not as memorable, but still... There was some. There was some parts that just kind of still had me in shock. Yeah, no, I like, was tense throughout the entire movie. Mm -hmm. Like it was like it really, it really held your held your attention. It, you know, it was a feast for your eyes, and you know, it was it was fun at the end of the day. It wasn't as good as the first, but I mean, that's demanding a lot, you know. I think I think it was on par with the first, but each one had its strengths and weaknesses. Right. To be honest, I okay. mean, I can tell you that a month from now, I'm gonna be watching it again. Probably a time after that. Who knows? Mm -hmm. And one thing I did also like that I forgot to mention was uh, the attention to humor. I mean, you know, you kind of oh, yeah. had these like, humorous funnier, moments funnier. dropped in mm -hmm. the in the first movie. movie. But in this, this time around, it felt like they were dropping in a bit more. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes, I know humor can derail a movie that's meant to be serious. But the thing about Pacific Rim and Pacific Rim Uprising is the fact that it never took itself too seriously, and it knows exactly where it stands, and that's why these humorous bits work. Mm -hmm. It's just because, you know, it's not trying to be like, like, it's not trying super to be funny. nitty gritty. Yeah. And it's not trying to be a flat out comedy. Yeah, it's the it comedy. It, yeah, it handles its tone a lot better than say like a Marvel film. Or, yeah, the comedy, if anything, mm -hmm. appropriate moments like makes the film more human. Yeah, and God, I blanked out for a second. Um. The human aspects of a film are definitely, obviously, the more emotional scenes I thought were handled very well. And, of course, you know, the humorous bits dropped in here and there, which really, you know, keep you engaged. They don't, the film doesn't bore you. Not to say the first one did, mm -hmm. but I felt like, like I said, humor and comedy were utilized a bit more in this and yeah. a lot very well still. For sure. And I'll, I will add uh, one more thing. You know, on the world building, I really like how they kind of added to sort of, you know, without getting into much, sort of the monsters, the tech, you know, it, it feels like 10 years have progressed. Um, some of the mythology, they, you know, they build on top of it. They add stuff to, the, you know, 
more advanced tech to the kaiju, or no, no excuse me, not to the kaiju, the, uh, the Jaegers, you know, the kaiju designs, I won't go much into it, but they feel like a step up, so I, I really appreciated that, like, it was building on top of this. I agree, without not, without really spoiling. not getting into it too much, not so much spoiling, but building on top of what Gene said, it felt like an organic progression from the first film. Mm-hmm. They kind of build upon the world that was already, you know, explored in the first movie, very briefly, but in at the beginning of the movie, but they still, it still felt organic. It still yeah. felt, you know, felt real. It, like a real. It, like, mm-hmm. I don't mean to bring. I use anime a lot as yeah. like. A, He's a big anime fan. Man. Yeah, big anime fan, and I use this. But an example of good and bad world building in this case would be One Piece versus Attack on Titan. <laughs> One okay. Piece, obviously, for even if you're not familiar with it, they do world building in a way that's very simple, which doesn't overcomplicate the plot, yeah. which kind of helps it branch out. And you got all these different things going on that, you know, you're keeping a close eye on. Whereas on Tack on Titan, every time they tried to world build, it, it made sense at the very beginning, but the more it got political, the, one of the main reasons I dropped it was things got way too confusing mm-hmm. and their world building just kind of made no sense at yeah. times. And both Pacific Rim, Pacific Rim films fall on the you know the One Piece side of the spectrum, where very simple to the point, and it Every, just makes sense. You yeah, don't, everything felt. Yeah, it was there for a reason. It was there for a reason. It's just not you know shoehorned in for no reason. Oh, for sure. So yeah, you know we really enjoyed it. You know, it is a film you would definitely want to see in the biggest format possible. Um, Del Toro would be proud of Stephen Denight on this. And yeah, I hope I sure hope he is. I mean, I hope so. I'm gonna like I said, I'm gonna see it probably again when it comes out, and I'm definitely adding this to my Blu-ray collection. Yeah, no, and Del Toro would have to have liked it. He he liked Atlantic Rim, the Asylum knockoff of Pacific Rim, and that's what I th- that's what I like about him. I, I think he's a very easygoing guy that's not too up in his head. And obviously, if he greenlit this, there's a reason for it. Mm-hmm. And he had to have been thoroughly impressed because yeah, I know I was. Sure. Yeah, definitely. And just wrapping up here, uh, Patches, where can uh, people find you at? on Twitter? Instagram? You can find me on Twitter at Machapon underscore. Mm-hmm. Under- the underscore is the symbol. Yeah. But uh, you, you may know him from uh, his uh, pun pun. Maybe. I don't pun, know pun at this point. I, I don't tweet as much, but I try to keep it. I try to cut back on the shit posting, if anything, but. Yeah. Uh, I'm always willing to engage in some conversation of any sort. Yeah. But, yeah. Cool, cool. And you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Gene9892. Follow Waffle Press on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and iTunes. Thank you. We've been professionally unprofessional.